We turn to scripture now and we seek to listen to God's word to us. Our first scripture reading today is from the Old Testament, uh, the book of Ezra, chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. Uh, in your pew Bible, that's page 423 in the Old Testament. Ezra chapter 3, beginning of verse 10. And this is when the Israelites had returned to Jerusalem after being in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And they returned and Ezra and Nehemiah were rebuilding the city. And so they were rebuilding the temple at this time. And that's the context of this passage. Ezra chapter three, beginning at verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments were stationed to praise the Lord with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, according to the directions of King David of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people responded with great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of families, old people who had seen the first house on its foundations, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house, though many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard far away. This is our New Testament reading from Romans 12, verses 1 through 8, found in your pew Bibles on page 1 of the New in the New Testament, page 161. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, a li as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform, conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves in sober judgment in accordance with your, the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many from one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophecy, prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. 
This is the word of God. Okay, so when you recognize who wrote this song, raise your hand. All right. Come gather round people wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. I don't see any hands yet. If your time to you is worth saving, awesome, that one, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone. For the times they are a-changing. Bob Dylan. Everybody, for the times they are a-changing. Right? The times are always changing. It's just a matter of life. It's part of life. Everything is always changing. If you're not changing, you're dead. Right? And even then, you're decomposing. So you are changing, actually. Um, <laughs> I wrote down in my notes here, it's a good thing that times have stopped changing, right? Well, that's not true, is it? When was this song written? Bob Dylan? In the 60s, right? 1964. Good job. Um, yeah, 1964. A few things have changed since this song came out, right? So Bob said they are a-changing, they continue to be a-changing, and they will continue to be a-changing into the future. Um, life is crazy. Uh, every generation thinks the times are changing too fast, right? As we get older, we start looking around, we start saying, what in the world is going on? Why aren't things the way they used to be? And we get frustrated, um, but that's part of life because every generation has done that. I read about a couple this past week. Um, they've been married 75 years. 75 years, can you believe that? He is 104 years old. She's turning 92 next month. They've been married 75 years. They have seen a lot of things come and go. They've seen a lot of changes in this world, but never until this year have they seen two storms, major storms, that bear both of their names. His name is Harvey, and her name is Irma. Is that crazy? They live in Spokane, Washington. I mean, I know 75 years, you must have weathered a few storms in your relationship, but thank you. I'll be here all night. So that means they got married in 1942. 1942. How many of you remember 1942? A few of you, right? 1942. So that's in the middle of the war. The Holocaust is happening. The movie Bambi was released in 1942. The movie Casablanca was uh, released in 1942. Uh, in their married lives, they've seen the end of World War II, they've seen the Korean War, they've seen the Vietnam War, they've seen the Iraq War. Uh, they have seen, in 1942, um, they saw cars like the Hudson, uh, the Chrysler New Yorker, and now they see all these new cars and everything today. Um, 
They saw the sexual revolution. They saw the civil rights movement. Um, they've seen music change. Because when they started, there was no such thing as rock and roll, right? It was a big band and stuff. And then they see Elvis Presley, the Beatles, Bob Dylan, uh, Fleetwood Mac, Queen, Devo, Nirvana, One Direction. <laughs> I knew I'd get you guys pumped up on that one. Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, come on now. <laughs> Be a believer. <laughs> They've seen a lot of things change in, the, in their lifetimes, right? But one thing hasn't changed. That the times, they are changing. Change doesn't change, right? Our lives, the world around us keeps changing. So we're talking about, as Paul mentioned, transforming congregations. We're moving into a series about transforming congregations in changing times. What does it mean to be a transforming congregation? Because truly, if we're doing our work properly, if we ask ourselves, what is the business of the church? The business of the church is transformed lives. That's what we should be about. So we have to ask ourselves, well, how's business? How are we doing? Are people's lives being transformed? So let me offer three um, steps for what a transforming congregation looks like. And then we're going to, in the weeks ahead, we're going to be look, focusing on specific characteristics of what transforming congregations are about. But first of all, transforming congregations are about transforming the individual. Paul stole my thunder there. <laughs> transforming congregations are to be about transforming the individual. Paul, uh, the other Paul, Apostle Paul, wrote in Romans that we are to be transformed. Our minds are to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. That means Paul describes full surrender to Jesus Christ. And he talks about offering our bodies as sacrifices to the Lord and then having our minds transformed. This is really interesting because in the Greek culture of the day, they kind of separated themselves. They kind of split themselves down the middle and they said, well, we have this mind. You know, philosophy came from the Greeks, right? So they were very philosophical. They were very esoteric. They were very mindful. And so they kind of considered that to be the, um, the greater end of humankind. But then they also had their bodies. And they said, well, the body is separated from the mind, so the body can do whatever it wants. And so they were kind of a little crazy with what they did with their bodies. And, and Paul was saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> the mind and body should be both offered in sacrifice and surrender to God. And so he said, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice and have your minds transformed uh, by the renewing of your minds. Um, because Paul recognized that the Christian life is a holistic view. It affects the entire life of the person. Both body and mind are surrendered to Jesus Christ. We lay our bodies on the altar um, of sacrifice, and we allow our minds to be renewed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So how are we doing on this? How are we doing individually? How, ask yourself, how am I doing on this? Am I where I wanted to be at this point in my life? Where would I like to be? Ask yourself, in five years, where would I like to be? What would I like to be like? <laughs> 
some of you say, where would I like to be in five years? I just want to be alive. Um, so, excuse me. Um, but are we growing in our faith? Are we becoming more mature in our faith? Um, are we different today than we were 10 years ago in our faith? Are we more mature in our faith than we were 10 years ago? Or are we less mature than we were 10 years ago? Um, I believe this is an area that we can work on better at First Presbyterian Church Santa Ana. I know a lot of churches really um, focus intensely on discipleship. And it's an area that we kind of say, hey, show up to a Bible study and hopefully you'll grow. Um, but they're a little more intentional. They actually have classes, like you, you go through level one, once you pass level one, then you can move to level two, and then level two, and, then, and, and maybe we need to consider some of that as we're looking to grow in our discipleship. Um, if nothing else, I wanna encourage you to plug into a Bible study uh, we have three going on on a regular basis. The pastor's Bible study happens on Thursdays. It, that begins in a couple weeks. Um, we have the Presbyterian Women's Bible study. That will start in October. Um, our hostess is gone this month, so uh, sh that'll start in October. And then we have the first and third Tuesday Bible studies. They meet on the first Tuesday and the third Tuesday. So we start not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday at the human's home. Sounds funny, but their last name is Human. If you're visiting, that's, that's their last name. Um, so be in, uh, be in a Bible study. If you're, and I know some of us and some of y'all are involved in Bible studies that are not part of this church, and that's great. Um, I am, it's not a big deal where you, where you um, get fed and where you get, grow in your faith, just as long as you're doing it. I think it's really, really important. And then... Do it on your own. It's really tough. It's a discipline. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were like, gosh, it's just like pulling teeth to get myself to sit down and start to read the Bible and actually study the Bible on my own. But then when I do it, I'm so happy, and I feel so good, and I feel so blessed. It's, it's kind of like going to the gym. It's like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then, and then you go. You're like, oh, I feel so much better, and I feel alive. Same thing with um, personal study. So I want to encourage you, even if it's just a verse a day, if it's a, a passage a day, just do it. The Nike commercial, just do it. Um, so that you, know, you feel like you're growing in your faith and, and continue to mature. So transforming congregations transform the individual. Transforming congregations transform the congregation. Our church should be changing, right? It should be constantly changing. Should be getting bigger and better. I'm just going to say it. I don't want to play the numbers game, but let's just say that a healthy church tends to grow. And so hopefully we continue to reach out to people around us and, and help ourselves to grow. Um, and that part of that transforming congregations means we need to tr change with the times. We need to actually recognize that you know our community isn't the same as it was. 50 years ago, and that means that we need to kind of transform what we're doing in ministry to adapt to the community around us. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there are more churches in Las Vegas than there are casinos. Did you know that? There are more churches in Las Vegas than there, there are casinos. And one of the difficulties that the churches in Las Vegas, I found, is that um, when they collect money, sometimes they get casino chips <laughs> in 
the offering plate. And because every single casino has their own chips, it was like, what are we going to do with these? We can't go flying all around. And so um, they worked with some Franciscan monks there, uh, where they actually went, sent all of their chips to this Franciscan monastery. And the Franciscans said, we'll go out and we'll cash out your chips and um, provide the money. And they're called chip monks. <laughs> That's one of my best ones. That is terrible. So, um, transforming congregations transform their congregation. Uh, this is a picture of our church prior to the earthquake. So this was before 1933, right? The Long Beach quake was 33 or 36? I thought it was 36, but somebody told me earlier it was 33. Anyway, um, this was our congregation about 100 years ago. Uh, I showed this to somebody who renamed nameless, Xander Montes, but um, <laughs> he looked at it, the first thing that he said was, there's not a lot of brown people in this picture. <laughs> But it's true, right? 100 years ago, it was pretty much a Caucasian. Now, look around the room. No, no, nobody's looking. I'm just looking at you, Pastor Nam. To me, that's a reflection of the true church. When I look around the room now, and I see black and brown, amongst the white. In fact, it's pretty even. That's pretty exciting to me. Because that's what heaven's going to be like. So we might as well start enjoying it now. Um, now, one of the difficulties about looking at the church as it was, is we can be like the older people in Jerusalem when they got back from Babylonian exile, They've been away for 70 years, so they're pretty old. They get back and they start building the new temple, and it says that the older people were crying. Why? Because it was so much smaller than the original one. And they were lamenting the fact, lamenting the glory days. Do we ever do that? Look back at the past and go, oh, I miss it when. It doesn't take long for us to start doing that. I've even talked to people that in their 20s going, gosh, I wish the church was more like my youth group when I was growing up. It doesn't take long for us to glorify the past. So at the same time that the older people were lamenting the past, the people who are young, who had been born in captivity and now come to Jerusalem were celebrating and shouting for joy. And you know what? We're going to get that in churches today. We're going to have people in our congregation that lament the past. Oh, I remember when this sanctuary was full. 
It was a great time to be here. I remember when there was five choirs. All the children were involved in choirs. I remember when the Christian Education Wing was full of kids. And it's sad to look at it today and say, gosh, it's just not that way anymore. And there's almost a sense of dying um, and loss. And then we look at some of our newer attenders and there's this excitement. Wow, look at what we're doing. Wow, I can't believe all the cool stuff we're doing. Wow, my kids went on a retreat this summer and they experienced the presence of God. It's exciting. So there's this kind of balance that we have. But I know God is a God of the past, a God of the present, and a God of the future. And God's here now. God's present with us. God is working in our midst right now, doing some exciting things. And God's with us as we move into the future. And we'll continue to build the kingdom here. And I'm really excited about what's going on and what's going to happen. So I'm excited that when we celebrate our 135th anniversary um, in November, on November 19th, and after the service, we're all going to march out onto the corner, that very corner, and we're going to take another photograph. Nobody's going to look at that picture from 2017 and say, there's not a lot of brown faces there. They're going to say, wow, look at the diversity of that congregation. That is cool. And that's exciting to me. So transforming congregations transform the individual. Transforming congregations transform the congregation. But it doesn't stop there. Transforming congregations transform the community around them. And we should be making a difference in the community around us. I think that we are. But we can keep at it. I hope you all are going out and doing things in downtown Santa Ana. I hope that you go and have lunch over at 4th Street Market sometime. Or uh, even at the McFadden Market across the street. I hope that, I mean, there's some exciting stuff going on in downtown Santa Ana. And we can be a part of it. Um, when I was a student in seminary, the president got up one time and he said, now y'all are gonna go out and you're gonna start interviewing for positions in churches. My advice to you is interview well with the committee, because we were a Presbyterian seminary, so we interviewed with committees. Uh, interview well with um, the Presbytery staff, but don't stop there. Walk around the neighborhood where that church is located and ask the people in the neighborhood what their thoughts are on the church. And sometimes you go and you go, what do you think of that church on the corner over there? There's a church over there? I had no idea. So the question is, if First Presbyterian Church closed, would anybody notice in the community? I know a lot would. I know the kids that show up every weekday here for our La Samia program, they'd notice. I know the kids that show up for Kid Singers would notice. I know the, kid, the families that go to Laundry Love would notice. We're starting to do stuff in the community. Well, we've been doing it for a while. I know the homeless families that come every year during the winter, they would notice. We're doing stuff in the community. We're helping to transform the community because that's what transforming congregations do. And we should continue to look for ways to do it more.
continue to look for ways to um, be involved in the community. We want to make a difference in each and every member's life. We want to make a difference as a community of faith. And we want to make a difference in the life of the community around us. And we need everybody to be working together to do that. We need you. We need each other. Most of all, we need the Spirit of God, right? Working in us and through us. So my challenge to you today is to ask yourselves, what am I doing to work towards transforming my own life? How am I working to mature my own faith? Secondly, what am I doing to promote transformation in the church? How am I helping this church to get better, to do better, to become more uh, God's community? And then finally, what am I doing to promote transformation in our community? Because the times, they are a-changing, and we want to be a transforming congregation in changing times. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.